Welcome to the Planning Gathering Podcast. My name is Emily Sullivan. I am a business owner in the wedding industry. I'm an event coordinator and a florist. I'm also an event educator. After five years in the industry, I became quite disillusioned with it and saw a lot of stuff that I did not like. Like, really did not like. And instead of walking away from it all, because I actually do like my work, I decided to start teaching and peeling back the curtains about why we do what we do, how you're influenced to make the choices that you do about your wedding, and a better option so that you can make more informed choices. So I'm glad you're here today because today we're going to talk about how we got to where we are and specifically using the example of wedding rings. Weddings as you know them today are definitely not what they were over a hundred years ago. They used to be small and sensible and really about the couple. Weddings now are giant and flashy and following trends. Whatever's popular right now is what everybody wants to do. And they're just, they're massive. Most couples that I've encountered, and they're, this is actually the reason that I became a wedding coordinator, don't know how to organize and plan and execute an event with 100 to 200 guests. But that's what they feel compelled to do, and so they try without much guidance because, as we're going to talk about, wedding blogs and magazines are going to provide you guidance to get you to the sale, but they don't give real good advice about how to make it all happen. I covered it in other episodes, so you're always welcome to go skip through those because I'm not going to go into crazy detail about it right here, but what I saw that I didn't love specifically at the weddings themselves, not to do with the industry, was family and friends and a couple who were frantic and overwhelmed and not enjoying themselves. They are not present in the moment. They weren't there to really fully enjoy the experience of the couple getting married. It was a big party, it was a big show, and it had to be exactly perfect, and every single centerpiece had to be the right way, and nobody had any idea what that right way was. The couple didn't know how to explain and define what they wanted everything to look like and how they wanted it to go. And the friends and family definitely didn't have clear directions on how to make it happen. Often, couples were slamming together an event that was very big, 15 to 20 tables, all of that food, all of that decoration, and a lot of alcohol, way too much alcohol, into setting that up in like two hours while also trying to do their family photos at the same time. And... Everybody had somewhere to be, and everybody was confused and overwhelmed, and nobody had fun. I saw a lot of families miss their kids' ceremony because they were setting something up. They were setting up the food because they invited 150 people and realized that they couldn't afford a caterer, so they DIY'd it, but that meant that people who were setting up the food missed out on the point of the wedding. The average wedding in the United States in 2017 was $32,000. I think that's a little overwhelming to think about spending that much money on one day. You don't have to think that way, 
totally fine. But most people who are getting married are also walking out of college in thousands of dollars of debt. In order to buy a house, you have to have somewhere between thirty and $50,000 down. So not only are people not enjoying the wedding because it's stressful and overwhelming and far more than they realized that they could take on, they're also adding on to their debt or delaying another big life moment like purchasing a home because they're spending so much money on this one day. So how did we get here? What happened to take weddings from these small community events to about purchasing and consuming and showing off what's trending and how how fashionable you are in your wedding dress and and all the things that we do today? How did we get there? And how did we become convinced that 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 was the right thing to do? I'm going to use the example of wedding rings today because wedding rings and jewelers were really one of the first aspects of um, weddings that kind of helped establish what the wedding industry is today. From the 1920s to the 1940s, the jewelry industry needed a push because all of America needed a push. It was the Great Depression. They wanted new ways to increase consumers' purchasing. And they wanted something that was a steady and reliable market. So weddings are something that happen all the time. It's also something that people naturally tend to buy jewelry for. But not always a wedding band or an engagement ring for that matter. And not always a wedding band for the groom. At that time, brides were not supposed to be openly consumerist. It was actually frowned upon and in etiquette guides and circulars, there was writers and authors who would talk about the bad and the negative aspects of weddings. Like during a certain time, gifts all used to be on display during the event, stuff like that. So they downplayed and and talked about how not okay the consumer mindset about a wedding was. But that didn't really stop the people who wanted to make money. They started advertising that wedding bands were a traditional item. They began to advertise the story that rings were a tradition and that they've been around for centuries and many cultures have used wedding bands and the tradition of exchanging rings as a tool to sell more. At the same time as they were advertising that rings and wedding bands were tradition and that they symbolized a long-lasting marriage, there was a story going around about how rings were used in history. So they sought out the past where rings were used in various cultures and they told that story over and over and over again in places where consumers tend to trust the author. So the etiquette books and the circulars, like the newsletters, and then eventually magazines were the source of where women, because most of the wedding industry has always been targeted at women, 
But that was the source where they went for information, where they went for reliable guidance on what is cool, what is not, and how to implement these things into your life. Once rings became to catch on and people started buying them and using them, those those guidebooks and the etiquette books and the magazines shifted their focus from telling the story of the elaborated tradition of rings to how to use them as a part of your marriage ceremony. So they, they then included the story and the guide to here is the ring exchange and we've told you why it's important and why it's tradition and you should definitely do it and here's how you do this ring exchange. So they added this level of complexity to weddings that didn't need to be there in order to include a product that drove profit in an industry. And then those those etiquette books and the magazines, they provided validity to those invented and elaborated traditions, which made them catch on. We became convinced as a culture that this was normal. This was what we've always done. This was tradition. And it's what I should do if I'm getting married. That idea spawned the industry itself. The jewelers and the department stores really led the way, but we became consumeristic about our weddings because of strategic advertising campaigns that told us that this was tradition and that this was what we were supposed to do. And then those etiquette guides that really put validity to that story and, and encouraged people to go buy things or to go hire a service. And the industry became an industry during that time. This is still happening today. This is how the modern and whatever is trending this year wedding is still advertised to us and we are influenced to want that. Marketing is a great tool. Good marketing practices make it far easier for someone to find a thing in particular that they're looking for. But if you aren't aware that you're being influenced all around you constantly in all of your magazines, on blogs, then you don't always know whether what you're choosing to purchase or include is your own choice or because you've been told you should. Go on to the major wedding planning websites or onto one of the magazine's websites because most of them are online available as well. And you'll see advertisement after advertisement. You'll also see articles that someone paid to have their business talked about. If you go onto a blog, there's going to be affiliate links so that they can make money for recommending you somewhere. And they're going to have stories and guidance for how to include these consumerist things into your wedding. It's still what we have going on today. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with having a profitable company or having a profitable blog or magazine. You have to have advertising because that's how you make money. I have to, on this podcast or on my blog, advertise what else I do or provide, the products that I provide and the services that I provide to make it worth my while to share with you guys and actually like pay my bills. But there's another side to that of the people who are just out to continuously grow and, and build more 
and more profit. And that's what happened with the jewelry industry. They needed to make profit, but they wanted to continue to grow and grow and grow because that's just what you do as corporations and companies. <laughs> what I have a problem with is that we were lied to. That when advertising is using coercion and falsehoods in order to help us make a purchase we might not already have. I think it's okay to be a consumer and to use services for things that you need. It's useful, it's wonderful, and it benefits both parties. If the person providing the product or service has an intention to serve you, to give you value, and prices their product or service accordingly to what they need to cover their business expenses and to pay themselves or staff. But when things start to get to where it's a money-making industry and and companies and and just the industry in general want to just drive bigger and bigger and bigger profits, we lose sight on the people who are buying. It stopped becoming weddings, stopped being about the couple getting married and started being about how do we make them buy things. Grab one of the Knott's wedding planning guidebooks and it's gonna have a checklist that's like 10 pages long. It's probably an exaggeration, but I remember it was massive and like dozens and dozens and dozens of tasks that you're supposed to do. It's gonna guide you to check off every single box and every single vendor category. But what it's not gonna guide you to do is think about how much it's gonna cost or think about the costs that aren't directly advertised up front, like your time and your stress or unexpected additional expenses. Wedding blogs are gonna showcase their best and their favorite and the most beautiful and trending, but they're not gonna talk about the steps that it took to get there or how to plan an event, how to coordinate a wedding with 150 guests and four hours of reception. There's a missing piece here that I'm hoping to fill a gap with and at least help you make a better choice of what works for you. So that way you are not influenced to have a big, showy, elaborate, consumerist mindset wedding when that's not necessarily what you do. As you're planning your wedding, you're going to come across articles and blogs and magazines and people who are going to tell you what you should do. They're not necessarily going to tell you why or their answer is going to be, it's what you do. As you're planning your wedding and seeking out information and help and support, just remember that a lot of what you are reading or you're encountering has this purpose to drive you to consume to drive you to include more and more and more and spend more and more and more to help boost the industry or help grow someone's profits now i'm not going to forget here that there are a ton of small businesses that function and and thrive because of the wedding industry i am one of them but i try to educate all of my clients and i hope that most smaller businesses do as well about the the in, inner workings of what we do and why we cost what we do and how we would actually benefit their day and allow them to make that choice themselves but overall things 
are aimed to get you to purchase. It's advertising. And it's telling a story to help you see that the advertising is telling the truth. As we learned about in the jewelry industry specifically, it's not always true. It's sometimes invented or elaborated traditions that have been corroborated with etiquette guides and blogs and magazines to help you think it's truth. Take, for example, the diamond industry. Back in 1885-ish, there was one guy who became the owner of 90% of the diamond production in the world. He made us believe that diamonds were rare and valuable by restricting the release of all of these products he had and increasing the price. Journalist Edward J. Epstein had a expose of this big cartel as it was, if you, um, as a brilliant illusion. So we were tricked into thinking that diamonds were rare and special and they became a part of the wedding industry. A diamond engagement ring was what was sold as tradition. There's a lot of dirty, gross stuff in the wedding industry and in why we're here now. Stuff that we don't have control over now of changing history or rewriting that, but what we can do is be more conscious and aware in our choices of what we include in our day. The definition of a wedding is a marriage ceremony and the celebration that follows. There is room for you to interpret that as you will. Take some time to really decide how you want to celebrate your union, how you want to make that union happen. What rituals do you want to include and why? What people, what stuff, what food, like everything can have a purpose and an intention and you can make an intentional choice to fit it in your budget and to choose things without being influenced to by someone else. Now, this is my least favorite part of podcasting, and I've been really bad about it. If you've listened to every episode before this one, I just don't talk enough about how you can help me. Because what I do is work to help provide you value and information, but I also have to pay my bills. (laughs) So yeah, I'm a coordinator, I'm a wedding coordinator who really doesn't like the wedding industry, but I love my couples and I love events. I love event planning and making logistical magic happen. So I do that with my company, Prudence and Sage. I've also been obsessed with flowers since, well, always, and recently launched a brand under Prudence and Sage of Peony Pines. So I now focus more of my my physical work that I do on a weekly basis through the wedding season. Oh gosh, wedding season. Um, on flowers because it's fun and it's not stressful and I really, really enjoy that. I've been taking some of my focus off of coordinating weddings so that I can bring you the podcast and the information and guides that we have on the Prudence and Sage blog and inside of the planning gathering course. So I created this course with a ton of guides and tools and lessons 
that teach you exactly how to plan an event of uh, the average magnitude of a wedding or even 50 people. It, it fits for a lot of different um, sizes and, and different uh, types of weddings. They teach you how to make good choices, how to make intentional choices, how to shop for vendors in a way that's really gonna help you find a team of professionals that's gonna create your vision really well. How to organize all of that stuff, how to how to create a design plan, and how how exactly I over the last five years have organized the logistics of setup, cleanup, timelines, all of that jazz, and communicated it to people and how to execute the wedding day. So if you end up wanting to do something very, very DIY because you're trying to fit it in a budget, you can at least have a super solid plan and you'll you'll ha- be able to enjoy your day a little bit more, resting easy, knowing this is planned well, I have communicated this well, I have coordinated this well, I can hand this, this information off to a professional coordinator or to someone who I trust to lead the day and be confident that it's all gonna go well so that you can be fully present and enjoy. That's the reason why I started weddings as a coordinator was because I wanted to give the couple and the family an opportunity to fully enjoy the day. I can't coordinate everybody's weddings, but I can give you the knowledge that I have, and so that's what I've done with the planning gathering. Now, you can find all of this stuff, all about me and and my company and the services and the tools that we have for you, even the free stuff on prudenceandsage.com. Now, to help with the podcast, if you like this podcast and you want me to be able to keep going and sharing information, I would love to get your feedback. So if you want to comment or send me a message, you can get a whole touch with me through the website. But even better, you could rate and review this podcast, subscribe to it, and screenshot that when you're listening to it and share it on your social media. Give it to somebody else who you know is planning a wedding and who could use this information, who can be helped and guided to make more informed decisions about what they include in their wedding day and why. So that's it. That's my topic for today. Um, I hope that you enjoyed it and I will catch you next week.